0: Get up and start preaching. I thought, well, they'll get some good, good preaching for a while. So all right, number two hundred nine in our songbooks. Number two hundred nine. <clears throat> grace that is greater than all our sin. We'll sing all four verses.
1: Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There were the blood of the Lamb. Grace, grace. That will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, Grace that is greater than all our sin. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold Threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold Points to the refuge the mighty cross. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all. I like this third verse, we get to that middle line, it says, look,
0: exclamation point, there is flowing a crimson tide, wider than snow, you can meet today, think of the, the heart of the author of these words as we sing that third verse, dark is the
1: stain that we cannot hide, dark is the stain that we cannot hide, what can avail to wash it away, look, There is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see His face. Will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin.
0: Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for the blessings that you've given to us throughout this day. Already, just the time of sweet spirit in our services and the time of fellowship uh, at the lunch hour. And Lord, as we come again to your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us. And Lord, may it be a help to us as we come to your word. May its pages be open to our hearts and our minds. And I pray that you'd help us to apply the things that we learn that uh, we'll become more of what you would want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, since we did start a few moments late there, and I apologize for that, let's uh, go ahead and take our Bibles. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. And uh, I want to deal with a a topic today that maybe is something that we uh, struggle with, and that is uh, what are some things that we can do to help us... um, when we make a decision for the Lord that will help us to keep that decision, uh, I, I remember growing up uh, in a pastor 's home and had a lot of opportunities to go to uh, youth meetings and camps and chapel services in our school, and many many times visited the altar and each time really sincerely with my heart uh, lord i want to I want to commit this area of my life to you and growing up it was it was always frustrating to me um, That is as sincere as I was and as moved as I was in my heart at the time of the decision, over time I would find myself not keeping the decision that I had made. And I'm not saying that it's not difficult to make a decision. I think certainly uh, we go through a conviction process, and I I know that I've talked to numbers of folks about this, that conviction is not always a pleasant thing. It's not always something we enjoy. But it is something that is needed and necessary, and we we need to rejoice that God allows His Holy Spirit to prick our hearts and to show us the areas that we need to to change in. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, uh, Romans chapter number 12 that talks about us being a living sacrifice and the idea uh, that we yield our lives to Him. And I heard a fellow say this to me one time, a friend of mine. He said, the problem with a living sacrifice is that it continually crawls down off the altar. And the truth of the matter is how true that is. The fact that we are to be sacrificing our lives daily to the Lord and giving Him 100% control of our lives is is a battle that has to be fought, not just once where we make our decision and, and that's the end of it, but we must continually do this. The man of sin still lives inside of us and works inside of us. The old flesh nature is there every moment of every day. If we're awake, our flesh nature is warring with the Spirit and Uh, For us to uh, continue in decisions and and things that God uh, convicts our hearts about, I think takes a concerted effort and a time of yielding ourselves to it on a regular basis. And so I want to look at some things from Scripture. Look with me, if you will, first of all, in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 23. Let's back up to verse number um, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering notice this for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, I want to try to be a help to us today in, in this area of uh, being steadfast or holding fast um, our profession of our faith without wavering and without having it. And God would have never commanded us to do this if it was not something that was possible to achieve. I will say this, though, that we cannot achieve it in our own strength. So I'm going to give you three things that I think are a help from Scripture that have been a help to me over the years and I think would be a help perhaps to others in keeping these. It's not The, the, the flesh nature is always going to be there. There will always be times that we're going to fail. But these things help us to be more faithful, to be more steadfast to our commitments to the Lord. And so I hope that will be a help to you. Hold your place here because we're going to come back to Hebrews chapter 10 in just a few moments. But look with me, if you will, in Joshua chapter number 4 in the Old Testament. Uh, something that I think is, is a lot, of, it, it certainly was something that was missing in my life. And I think it has been such a great help to me over the years since I had learned to do this. But in Joshua chapter number 4, in Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel... I've been instructed by God to cross the Jordan River. And if you'll remember the story, he tells the, um, the uh, priests to take the Ark of the Covenant, the Levites to take the Ark of the Covenant, and they were to go first. And as they stepped into the, sh- the, the water of the Jordan, that the waters would dry up and they would cross on dry ground. And so the priests took the Ark of the Covenant, and they went and they stood in the middle of the Jordan River while the rest of the nation crossed over. And once everybody was over, we're picking up reading in verse number uh, let's start in verse number one of chapter four. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, "Take you twelve men out of the people of every tribe of man, and command ye them, saying, "Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you." and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, pass over before the ark of the Lord of your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take you up, every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel." <clears throat> that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan, and the water, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Now it's interesting that Joshua has these men pick up stones, and the Bible refers to them as being fairly large stones because He tells them to put them upon their shoulder. Uh, these weren't just little things you could hold in your hand, but something rather substantial. And he says, I want you to go in there and get you a stone. He says, I no don't want you to get it from the banks of the Jordan. I want you to go out there in the middle where these, these priests are going to be standing with the ark. And I want you to get a stone from the middle... ...of the Jordan River. And wherever you sleep tonight, I want you to set that stone up as a memorial. He says, it'll be that when your children ask you years later, years from now, what are these stones here for? You'll be able to come back and say, this is what God did at that point in time. They set up a visible reminder. It's interesting to me, over and over and over again, in Scripture throughout the Old Testament, how many times God instructs people to uh, build an altar, or to set up a pillar of stones... And many of them that the Bible says are there till this day. And many of them that you can still go and see the ruins of them or you can still see the placements of them. In Proverbs chapter number 22, if you'll take a moment and turn over there, uh, God uses Solomon to pin these words in, so- in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 28. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 28. He says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Uh, the idea is that we have uh, places of memorial where God worked on our hearts that we can go back to and remember what God has done for us. And so one of the things that has helped me over the years in keeping commitments to God is I find some way to write them down and put them in a place that is visible. Some place that I can see from time to time. Perhaps it's on a card that I put on a mirror uh, in the bathroom or on the refrigerator, which I visit pretty often. Um, maybe it's a note in my Bible, maybe in the flyleaf of my Bible. I encourage people when they get saved many times to take the Bible that they got saved with and write in the front of it when they got saved. Uh, something that they can go back to when they have doubts and say, there's the time and there's the place that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I think that when we come to a place of making a decision for the Lord that there is some wisdom, and I think even God teaches this throughout Scripture, that we set up memorials for the the things that happen in our lives that are memorable events of God working in us. And so when these times of decision come, whether it be in our private Bible reading or whether it be in a revival service, or a preaching time, if God deals with us and we make a decision, write it down. I heard one fellow that did it this way. He, he went and got one of those real nice leather-bound uh, folios that have the, the, the turning pages in it that you could add pages to. And he kept a journal throughout his life of the things that uh, were memorable that God had done in his life. Decisions that were made, special answers to prayer. And he would go back, and he, he called it a book of remembrance. That's what he called the thing where he could go back and remind himself of the things that God did. If you'll remember, when uh, Jacob was fleeing Esau, and the first night out, he comes to a place and, um, that uh, he has the dream. If you remember, the dream of the stairway that went up to heaven and the angels ascending and descending. And uh, when he awoke the next morning, he built an altar there, and he called the place Bethel. Years later, when his family had gotten away from the Lord and and Jacob was trying to get them back to a point of loving God and having a place of revival, he goes back to Bethel and he takes the opportunity to, to spend teaching them, this is where God met me the night that I fled Esau. This is where God spoke to my heart and gave me a promise and did something in my life and all that we would learn to uh, take these times that are uh, decisions in our lives, that every time God does that, it is a memorable time. He, he's taking our life and He's molding it into something more that He wants it to become. And those times ought to be recorded somewhere. We ought to write them down. We ought to post them somewhere. Get some kind of a reminder. Uh, ladies, maybe buy a new dress every time you make a decision. Have your husbands buy you a new dress. And every time you wear that dress... You'll, re, you'll remember that. And, fellas, you ought to let them buy that new dress. Because for guys, lot wives, you ought to let them go out and buy a new gun. Uh, every time they have a decision. Every time they use that gun. And, I, you know, I say that frivolous thing, we laugh. But the truth is, there ought to be something that we do, that we put in place, that we can come back to. And it's, it's not a dress and it's not a gun. But there ought to be a time and there ought to be a place. Because this is something special. The God of heaven came and He dealt with my heart. And He molded me into something He wanted me to be. And when I drift from that, which I will, and by the way, you will too, we need to have a place to go back to and say, I want to renew that commitment to Him. He dealt with me there. He changed my life there. I've never been the same since. But I want to go back and refresh that again. Sometimes having a memorial, a visible reminder of the decision that God has put in your heart, will be a help in keeping that commitment. I would encourage young people. we got got uh, Brother Kenny's family here and, and Jonathan in the back. Young people, as you grow, God will do things in your life. And you'll make decisions for Him. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. Refer back to them often. And use that to help keep you going. Um, one of the hardest challenges after making a decision for God is to walk out the door and live it. One of the hardest things you'll have to do. It's a very simple concept, but very, very difficult. All right, let me give you another one that will be a help to you. Turn with me to Galatians chapter number six. The book of Galatians chapter number six. And this is another thing that is taught taught quite readily throughout Scripture. And uh, that is to seek accountability. To seek accountability. I think when we make decisions for the Lord, uh, unless it's really substantially of a... Subject matter that is a very private nature. I think for the most part, if God uh, gives you a decision in your life, I think you ought to be encouraged to share it with other Christians. To let people know how God and what God is doing in your life. Look with me in Galatians chapter number 6, if you will. Paul says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens... And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate with him that teacheth uh, in all good things. So again, an idea of accountability. Bearing one another's burdens. uh, Sharing the things that God has given to us. Look with me in the book of James, chapter number 5. James chapter number five, just outside of the book of Hebrews, James five and verse number 16, James says this, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men availeth much. The idea that when we commit sin or we fail in that commitment, that we Admit that one to another and say, brother, I've, I've made this decision for the Lord. I've really been struggling. Would you pray with me that I, can, that I can get back where I need to be? And as God's people, we need to be willing, first of all, to share that with somebody and ask for their prayers and helps. And secondly, if someone comes to us that way, we need to be willing to lovingly put our arm around them and, and, and spiritually speaking and say, brother, let me help you at that. And, and, and I need to work on some things, too. Maybe you can help me with some things. You say, Brother Greg, how do we know that that's what it's talking about? Well, look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And verse number 11. Paul says uh, Paul says this wherefore, comfort yourselves together and what's the next word here? Edify one another, even as also ye do. What does the word edify mean? Anybody know? It's not a word we use real often today. Anybody know what that means? To build up, to encourage. Um, The idea in the old days when they would build wooden ships and they would become weak and they would become unstable, they would take metal or steel bands and they would wrap them underneath the hull and bolt them into the, the hull of the ship and it was called undergirding them. And the idea being that it takes something that is weak and it helps make it stronger. um, That we edify one another. That's why I think it's important if if it's, again, if it's not of a a sensitive nature, certainly there are some things I understand that God may deal with us on that uh, perhaps we we may feel, no, that's just a sensitive nature and a personal nature. It doesn't need to be shared. But if it's something where God is growing us as a Christian, I think we ought to share those one with another. It helps give a level of accountability among God's people who are not there to condemn us when we fail in that area, but are there to help edify us when we fail in that area. If somebody knows that I've made a decision to lose weight and they see me out here eating some of uh, Miss Katrina's, whatever that was today, cinnamon, cheesecake, fat cake is what it was, and they come to me and they say, Brother Greg, you ought not be eating that right now. And I say with a mouthful, you're right. There's an encouragement there that they know I'm trying to lose weight, and therefore this is not good for me, and there's a level of accountability. Not only are we to be accountable one to another and edifying one to another, but also look with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number four, Hebrews chapter number four <clears throat> and uh, verse thirteen. More important than being accountable one to another, notice in verse 13, the Bible says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. Whose sight are we speaking about here? We're talking about God's sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. The idea that God sees everything. The psalmist said, Whether I ascend up into the heavens... God's there. He said, if I make my bed in hell, God is there. If I go to the uttermost parts of the earth, behold, thou art there. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. There is an accountability that I think is helpful when we realize that we're accountable not only to one another, but as the utmost importance, we are accountable to God. It's it's one of those things that I think we struggle with sometimes because we get busy with life and we don't think that God, or at least we don't consciously give a thought to the fact that God sees everything we do. And even beyond that, God knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Boy, when we start thinking of that, it brings conviction to us, doesn't it? I can think back to the decisions I've made and then drifted from, and God sees that. While man may not have known that I did that, God sure did. And it brings a level of accountability. So, so put into practice a few things. Number one, I would say find someone that's a Christian brother or sister in Christ, and let them help you stay accountable. Share those things with them. Let them know what your decisions are, and and, and vice versa. Let them share with you what their what their decisions are. And provide that level of encouragement and edifying and bearing of the burden and accountability. Secondly, let's encourage not only one another, but even in our own minds, let's daily remind ourselves that we are accountable to God and He sees everything. He sees it all. He knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. So make a visible reminder. (coughs) If we look back to Hebrews chapter number 10, in verse number 23, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now, I want you to notice this last part. For the Bible says, he is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. The third thing that I think we must do to keep our decisions for the Lord is to daily put our trust in him to keep that commitment. Let's put it this way to submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God daily. Not just to submit to the Holy Spirit of God, but to do it daily. Again, we have the old flesh nature that comes into our our thoughts quite often, several times throughout the day, in fact, usually. And we battle it. And it takes submitting to Him and His leading regularly in our lives. And it may be several times a day. We may have to say, you know what, old body, I'm going to bring you into subjection. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me, not you. I don't want the old appetites. I don't want the old affections. I don't want the old enticements of the world to detract to, to, to me from the decision that God has had me make. And um, by the way, let me just say this, in, in lieu of, just as a side note, we're going to take pause the message for a minute. We're going to go off and come right back. If we don't want to be distracted from that leading of the Holy Spirit, then we've got to be careful what we allow into our lives that cause those distractions. It's one thing when there's a distraction we cannot control, but there are a lot of things we allow into our lives that are distractions and that will cause our, our attention to be distracted that we can control. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a place we go. Maybe it's things that we watch on television. Maybe it's books that we read. It could be any number of things that can detract us and and, and get our distraction away from that decision for the Lord that we can control. We need to pray that God help us get those things out of our lives, that we we cut those things off. Okay, back to the message. So, we need to submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit daily. Look with me in Psalm 139 and verse number 7. Psalm 139 and verse number 7. And this is the passage we just spoke about. <clears throat> whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. From the, But the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Uh, The fact that he is to have the reins of our heart. Now look with me in Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. And verse number 1. And I wrote the wrong reference down here. Well, we'll move on to the next passage. Sorry about that. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter number 8. might have been... Oh, you know what? I think it was. I'm in Mark. Hang on a minute. Let me see. I had the wrong book. Yeah, there we go. Mark, let's go back to Matthew chapter 4 again. Sorry about that. Hold your place in Romans. We'll be right there. I was in Mark for some reason. I don't know why I turned there. Mark chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says this. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, if Jesus was to be led by the Spirit and Jesus was God and he is our great example then should we not take from his example that you and I also need to be led by the spirit of God in our day-to-day lives? And uh, the Bible talks about the fact that God left him there or led him there into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by Satan. Now, there're sometimes God will take us places we don't think we ought to go, but we need to be willing to follow his leading. Now look with me in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8 And verse number 14. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. Let's back up to verse 13 get the context of it. Back up to verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The idea is that we are to be led by the Spirit of God regularly. Now, there is a lot of discussion about how the Holy Spirit does that leading. Can I tell you this? That God makes very clear and very apparent His will in Scripture. And as we study Scripture, it becomes easier and easier for the Holy Spirit to lead and direct our lives. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Well, if you take a moment and um, look at, hold your place in Galatians. We're going to come back there, but look with me in Ephesians chapter number uh, five. Ephesians chapter number five. The Bible talks about and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be. What's the next phrase here? What is it? Filled with the Spirit. Now, hold your place there for a moment. Turn with me over to Colossians. Colossians. And... Verse number... Chapter number 3. And verse number 16. The Bible says in verse number 16, Let the Word of Christ... what? Dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then he goes on to say, Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing making grace in your hearts to the Lord. He talks about giving thanks in verse number 17 to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God the Father. He talks about submitting ourselves, husbands to wives, wives to their husbands, husbands to the Lord, children to parents, and servants to masters. The exact same things that he said in Ephesians chapter number 5 when he said, Be ye filled with the Spirit. Notice he says in Ephesians 5, Speaking to yourselves in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts of the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father, and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The exact same things. They're one in the same. To be filled with the Spirit is to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And vice versa. The more that we abide in God's Word, the more the Holy Spirit has... His leading in our lives. They they cannot be divorced one from the other. They must run in tandem. They must go together. Now look with me in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now let's back at verse 16. For this I say, then walk in the Spirit... That you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, spirit, or the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So understand this. We cannot be led of the Spirit and follow the works of the flesh. They are contrary, the Bible says, the one to the other. They are at enmity. They are at war. They are diametrically opposed. When I was a kid, I used to like playing with magnets. And when you get the wrong ends the wrong way and you try to push them together, they just don't want to go. Can I tell you, that's the way the flesh and the spirit are. They cannot be attracted one to the other. They constantly are repelling the other. They constantly are at war with the other. So how do we keep our decisions? I think, number one, set a visible reminder. Have some kind of a place of memorial. Number two, seek accountability with other brothers and sisters in Christ and ultimately to God Himself. And number three, submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit every single day and multiple times throughout the day. In order to do this, we must, we must, we must let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. You say, Brother Greg, is that going to keep me from... um, the things I know I should not do. Is that going to keep me from sin? Well, according to Psalm 119, it will. Thy word have I what hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I cannot emphasize the importance. I had a fellow years ago that came to me. He was one of the staff men in our church. He said, Pastor, I've struggled with a, a particular thing in my life. I've tried to get victory over it for years. He said, I've sat under two or three pastors and I've struggled with it. I've gone and counseled with him and, and cannot seem to get the victory over it. And I didn't know how to answer him. I really didn't, to be honest. I said, Brother, let me pray about it. And I said, I need some time to think, and, and let, me, let me figure out what needs to be done here. And I was uh, that night I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to tell this guy. I really don't. He's been to pastors that are far wiser than I am. And they've tried to help, and, and they weren't being able to help him. And I said, he doesn't need uh, philosophy or uh, psychology. He doesn't need our thoughts on it. He needs you to help him have victory. I said, how do we do that? And while I was uh, praying about it and thinking about it, this verse came to to mind. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Verse number 9 of Psalm 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And I came back to him. I said, Brother, I think this is the answer. If it will work for a young man, it will work for an old man. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you'll do it, I'll do it along with you. And let's just see what God will do. I said, but let's take the next 30 days. And let's saturate our life with God's Word. I mean, let's just read it, study it, memorize it. We had a goal of memorizing one verse a day. And at the age I was at the time, that was a pretty aggressive and ambitious goal. We were going to listen to two hours of preaching every day. We were going to read so much Scripture and listen to so much Scripture every day. After 30 days, his wife and him came back to me and said, it's been amazing change. I said, brother, it's been a huge change in my life. And I said, isn't it amazing that God's Word has the answer for our problems? And there are times even to this day I'll get a text or something from him. I'll ask him how he's doing. And he said, brother, I said it's been such a joy to learn that to get this victory in my life, I've got to saturate myself with the Word of God. That's that's being filled with the Spirit. That's allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives, and to yield ourselves to Him. And I want to encourage you in this. Hopefully it will help us as we make decisions for the Lord, as we grow uh, to keep these decisions and commitments, to take heed to the things that we've learned. Make a memorial. Hold yourself accountable somehow. Find a way to get accountability in your life. And yield yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God regularly. Regularly, All right? Hope that'll be a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. I pray that you'll bless it and use it. And Lord, may it be something that will be beneficial. I know it's been a struggle over the years in my life to keep decisions that I've made for you. I'm certain there are others that have battled this and may continue to battle it, as we all do. I pray that you would help us to take heed to these things, that we would put them into practice in our lives, that the things that you have shared with others throughout the history of Uh, the Israelites, that the things you've taught in the New Testament scriptures can be incorporated into our lives and put into place to where we will be able to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the works of the Lord. I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessings. Thank you so much, Lord, for the, the sweet, precious time together today. May we leave with your word upon our hearts and your Holy Spirit stirring us within. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.